In this podcast episode recorded live from the ASH 2023 meeting in San Diego, California, Dr. Rami Cobb presents results of the CMRG ISA Cyborg D trial, which was accepted at ASH as a poster presentation. In the second part of the podcast episode, Dr. Rami Cobb and Dr. Donna Reese discuss the implications of their clinical trial for Canadian clinical practice. Dr. Rami Cobb is a physician in the Division of Hematology, Department of Medical Oncology and Hematology at Cancer Care Manitoba in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Dr. Donna Reese is a professor of medicine in the Program for Multiple Myeloma and Related Diseases at the University Health Network. She is also a professor of medicine at the University of Toronto and Princess Margaret Hospital in Toronto, Ontario. In this first part of the episode, Dr. Rami Cobb presents the results of the CMRG ISA Cyborg D trial. Hope you enjoy it. trial explored the uh, addition of isatuximab to our standard at the time induction in transplant eligible uh, multiple myeloma patients, which was cyborg the association of cyclophosphamide bortezomib and dexamethasone. So the isatuximab, which is an anti-CD38 monoclonal antibody, is added to the cyborg induction for these patients, and then the patient went to stem cell collection, transplantation, and then the isatoxinab was again added to the maintenance linedomide around day 100 post-transplantation. So between December 2021 and January of 2023, 71 patients were enrolled in this prospective clinical trial. All patients completed their induction isatoxinab cyborg chemotherapy. And as the uh, call here, uh, that side effects profile was very favorable with less, almost 10% of people had neutropenia, around 4% had febrile neutropenia. Peripheral neuropathy was reported in about 28% of patients, but none was grade 3, nor those hold due uh, to peripheral neuropathy. 94% of patients had partial response or better. And with the exception of three patients who, for physician or patient choices, choose not to complete or not to continue in uh, the same center, all patients otherwise, uh, like six, seven patients, were successful to have stem cell mobilization so far, with mobilization of adequate number of stem cells. So, so far, we are very happy and excited with the response rate and especially with the tolerance to this uh, ongoing treatment. In this second part of the podcast episode, Dr. Rami Cobb and Dr. Donna Reese discuss the implications of their clinical trial for Canadian clinical practice. Good morning, Dr. Reese. Good morning. It's an exciting opportunity for us to present the first analysis of our Canadian trial introducing CD38 antibodies in transplant eligible patients. So, Dr. Reese, thanks for being here. Can you give us a general idea on the Canadian Myeloma Research Group and its activities? Yes, the Canadian Myeloma Research Group, or CMRG, is a national investigator-initiated trial group. We're a nonprofit and have the ability to do investigator-initiated trials. And we also have a large 10,000-patient database for myeloma patients with disease-specific information. 
So we have excellent benchmark data on the outcome of our workhorse approach to transplant eligible patients, which consists of Cyborg-D, high-dose melphalan, and lenalidomide maintenance until disease progression, which we've been fortunate to have funded in Canada since 2013. And last year presented at ASH, Dr. Cote uh, showed the results of 15 years of this regimen among almost 4,000 Canadian real-world patients. So we have a good benchmark for uh, standard risk patients. Our PFS was four and a half years, and our overall survival was just over 13 years. For high-risk patients, our median PFS was a bit over three years, overall survival a bit over eight years. But the world has changed. And we can look at this data and what's been going on in other centers where the addition of CD38 antibodies, either daratumumab or isatuximab, has completely revolutionized the approach. So based on our Cyborg-D and its excellent tolerance in all patient groups, we elected to continue that and add isatuximab to all three portions of the transplant induction well, I have two, induction and then post-transplant. Our previous CMRG data really highlighted the importance of post-transplant maintenance with lenalidomide, which significantly improved both PFS and overall survival. So one way our trial has been differentiated from others is we have elected to give uh, lenalidomide maintenance and esetuximab until disease progression. So, Dr. Reese, for sure, we are very happy with the results of our trial here. Now we have a trial where we did induction with anti-CD38, isatoximab, and Cyborg-D. All patients completed the treatment adequately on time. Rate of peripheral neuropathy around 28%, all grade 1 and 2, no grade 3 peripheral neuropathy, no dose hold for peripheral neuropathy. Neutropenia, 9.9%. Febrile neutropenia, just around 4.2%. All patients that we attempted to mobilize had collection of adequate number of stem cells. How do you see that fit in the landscape now where, like many of our colleagues, think about RVD as induction or other combination anti-CD38 RVD in the landscape? How do you see that fit? Right. I think what we can really hang our hat on with our early results is the excellent tolerance of this. And that goes back to the Canadian approach, I think, of giving bortezomib weekly at 1.5 milligrams per meter squared, minimal peripheral neuropathy. And there are now a number of studies that give RVD with a CD38 or KRD with a CD38. But when we look at the two main CD38 RVD, the Griffin and the German HD7, both of them with twice weekly bortism have had a 7% incidence of grade three or four peripheral neuropathy, which is quite hard on patients. Mm -hmm. I don't have all the detail on the dose holes, but their overall incidence was up to you know almost half of patients in one trial. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, this uh, is a Canadian approach that is, is proved very well. Also, yes, I think when we designed this trial, RVD was not funded in Canada as induction therapy. Now it is. But I think the other point was many of us 
feel that Cyborg D is very easy to give in some of those real-world difficult-to-treat patients initially that have renal insufficiency or have low blood counts from the disease. It's very easy to, to give Cyborg D. And the fact that stem cell collection was successful with standard approaches was quite reassuring. We're all excited about the excellent anti-tumor effects of CD38 antibodies, but I think the uh, clinicians rightfully raised the question of will it increase the possibility of infection during induction. What do you think our 008 trial tells us about this, uh, this potential problem? Well, we have an incidence of neutropenia around 9.9%, febrile neutropenia at 4.2%. So more than 95% of patients went through without febrile neutropenia. So I think it also depends on the partner you add to the NTCD38. Here, these data from what we see are not much different from our previous data with CyberD alone. So to take in consideration any patient selection for what uh, companion to add with the NDCD38 yes. And again, we're making broad generalizations, but uh, linalidomide is more uh, myelosuppressive, more neutropenia. And in uh, HD7 trial, yes. they have more details on infection than we do. And we've only looked at febrile neutropenia, and, and we will be breaking down other infections that may not have been associated with neutropenia later on on this trial. But it looks like the incidence of grade three or four might be 10 to 15 percent with another partner than cyclophosphamide. So I think as the study matures, we will have more data on infection. But I think the initial impression was that we were pleased with the results. And as we enter this new generation of treating uh, myeloma patients with these antibodies up front. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Dr. Reese, this trial was probably one of the fastest recruiting trials uh, in myeloma in Canada. The team, the CMRG team, recruited uh, 71 patients in just above one year. What's your comment on that? Well, I think that reflects the uh, large gap we've had in Canada for getting a CD38 antibody into first-line treatment, into transplant eligible. And we don't have detailed quality of life information on this study, and one could legitimately ask if adding a drug that has to be right now given intravenously, we, we will have a subcutaneous form in the near future, but to have additional injections uh, relatively frequently, at, particularly at the beginning, uh, but patients are coming in anyway for their bortezomib dose. And um, I think the fact that we accrued so quickly reflects patient acceptance yeah. that adding a drug, receiving a quad or quadruplet regimen is really going to pay off on the other end in longer disease control. And really, the longest period of remission has always occurred with first-line treatment. Um, and the good toxicity profile, and I probably our country's experience with the tolerance of Cyborg-D has led to, you know, just really very rapid accrual and uh, moving along the trial at a very nice pace. So, Dr. Reese, now this phase two trial showed 
an overall response rate, partial response, or better at 94% of the cohort. And the other patient also has some response, but less than 50% reduction of their monochromic protein. Indeed, among the results, many of the patients uh, are labeled as very good partial response because we didn't do all the tests to control. Like, we have a very small monochromic protein. We couldn't go do immunofixation or MRD to decrement the responses really VGPR or deeper. And now there are other trials showing uh, with other combinations showing deeper response to induction. What's your take on that? I think that an overall response rate before transplant of 94% is, is very acceptable. And I think your point about the fact that we did not require rigorous confirmation of complete remission, complete response, because we didn't require marrows, we didn't assess for uh, blocking of the esotuximab uh, detection as accounting for the monoclonal antibody, which other studies may have done. So uh, I, I think our CR rate is not representative of the full depth of response. I think, as you, you pointed out, the studies with RVD and esotuximab or daratumumab do have an overall response rate in the same ballpark. For Griffin, it was 98%. For the HD7, it was 90%. Those studies did have a much higher CR and near-CR rate, likely due to the deeper responses with RVD, but also possibly due to some technical difficulties. Nevertheless, this is a good start, and I think we have to keep in mind that a stem cell transplant encompasses a tripartite treatment. You have induction, you have your high-dose melphalan, and then you have your prolonged maintenance. So it's a good solid start. I think the ultimate effect will depend long-term rather than of course, just induction, and we will be doing those studies. And we will have MRD assessments along the way, as that is an important endpoint these days. We have not built it in post-induction, rather post-transplant. So we're very uh, excited about the ultimate availability of those results. Great, and hope that soon we'll be presenting this data once available. So Dr. Reese, now what are the future directions after the data that was presented today? Well, I think this is the tip of the iceberg for this set of treatments with the transplant results, the long-term maintenance results, and obviously we look forward to presenting the data after these certain milestones, and we will start having MRD data to, to compare, at least at a superficial level, with the other induction regimens and transplant maintenance schedules. I think we have, by this trial, given our physicians and our patients a good introduction to using CD38 antibodies as part of the transplant. Again, this is a, a significant gap in Canada. And uh, looking down the road, this regimen may be very useful in jurisdictions that don't have access to RVD induction, but could use Cyborg-D and Isotuximab. For their transplant population, the cost will be much less. And again, there is a role uh, for cyborg in certain subgroups, as we've discussed before, renal failure and low blood counts. 
So I think we await the long-term results and know that we've given an opportunity for this modern treatment to an important cohort of myeloma patients in Canada. So we thank you for your efforts and uh, as the PI of this trial, uh, and I also thank my colleagues in the CMRG central office that work hard to bring it to fruition. And I know you have some acknowledgments you'd like to make as well. So, I, uh, thank you for sure for all your support and expertise as the chief medical officer and all the good work you did for this trial. And for sure, we want to thank our patients, their families, their caregivers. Uh, the medical and paramedical team and the nurses, the research nurses and all contributing institutions. Without them, this work would never happen. And we'd also like to thank Sanofi for providing the drug and supporting this trial in Canada. Thank you so much. Thank you.